Here at the Family Church are a community of believers that exist to welcome home people to God, His family, and His plans. And we believe that no one is here by accident and that God is here as well. Can I get, can I get a yes from somebody? Yeah, we believe that in this place. Jesus is alive. His word says where two or more are gathered. In my name, there I am in the midst. Hey, if you want to, real quick, go ahead and grab that Connect card. It's the orange card on the back of the pew in front of you. We are still looking for people to update their information. This is if you are a regular attender here at the Family Church. We want to make sure we have everybody's address because there are already giving statements at the back table in the foyer. So if your address and information is up to date, you can grab that um, from the back table. I saw the... uh, there's a box there with your name. I'm sure it's alphabetized. I don't, I don't think we would, um, we would play mean tricks on you and make you look through a bunch of uh, statements that were just in random order, right? So you can grab that back there. Also, after service, we're having popcorn with the pastor. So please, 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 if uh, you're interested in getting more information about the vision of the Family Church, you want to get to know Pastor Adam and Danielle a little better, um, that is a great opportunity to do that. This coming Wednesday, we are starting our leadership training small group at Pastor Adam and Danielle's house. This is a really, really good opportunity for you to get involved. Even if you are already involved in some kind of serving here at the church, please head over to there. And these two right here have so much leadership uh, experience and training as well that they are ready to just unleash on you. Does that sound interesting to anybody? Yeah? So go ahead and, and get involved. If you have any questions, please see them as well. Do you have any men in the house? Ho, 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 ho. Yeah? All right. We need to act like cavemen, right? When we, if there's any men in the house, right? So uh, on, the, on Friday, January 25th, we are heading to the Detroit Auto Show. So if you have any information or if you need any information about that, please see Pastor Adam as well. Again, that is a Friday, okay? Um, and as always, our giving is done via that red box back there. You can give online or you can give via text message. Can we pray this morning? God, we're just grateful that you are good to us always. Father, even uh, in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of our greatest victories and our, and, and our, our greatest challenges, God, you are with us always. And we thank you, God, for what you're going to speak to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, winter caught up with us uh, all at once. Yeah, those of you that like it are crazy, but it's fun. I, I'm learning how to drive a truck in the snow. People think trucks are cool, uh, but two-wheel drive trucks are not. And uh, so I went over two curbs on the way home last night. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I've got twice the, three times the weight as my Mini Cooper and no, no steering here. This is awesome. And uh, so anyway, so pray for me or I'll just have to leave it parked. And, uh, and, and anyways, so we are in a new series. I'm a little weirded out because my dog is in my office right now. Uh, we're going to uh, a pastor's retreat after uh, church today. And so uh, we're sending little Fergie away to grandma's house. And uh, so, so the ugliest, furriest, smelliest member of the family is in my office if you want to meet her. And, uh, and so I was a little weirded out. I ran back there and I'm like, my dog is here at church. This is very strange. So basically everybody's welcome here, okay? Doesn't matter how bad you smell. Doesn't matter the last time your hair was cut. Uh, you are welcome here, and uh, we're in a new series uh, called Reboot, and I shared with you last week that uh, I am, um, I'm, I'm one of those people that are, are, I'm young enough that technology should be more, uh, should be easier for me, and, uh, and so 
I, I buy Apple products because they seem to be the easiest for me to understand, and yet I still just want to throw it off a cliff, you know, half the time. And when all else fails, I just hit the power button and hold it down, and I say, take that. And, uh, and, and this is what you deserve for mistreating me, and when you wake up, you better treat me better. You know, it, it's like you can, you can do to a computer what you shouldn't do, to any human being, and uh, and and it all else fails, uh, you know, have a ask your 14 year old to fix it. So, uh, anyways, a reboot goes something like this: it is where we are restoring or resetting to factory settings. And so, I believe that we have been created with a purpose. I don't believe that there is uh, anything random to our existence. I believe that this book is an uh, is an operation manual uh, to a certain extent, and that God has a purpose for each of us, and He has a perfect design for humanity, and that is in here. And so, if you are wondering why you're running your head repeatedly into something, you might be doing it the wrong way. And so we want to reset at this time of year. And so it's a natural time of, uh, of, of kind of goal setting and things like that. But we want to have a deeper purpose than that. Our theme verse is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Actually, verse says, I should say. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just a sh- I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. And so the purpose of this series is to remind us of the purpose of our run of the purpose of our life that there's something there there's something bigger in the marquee on the on the outside of the theater it's not just adam's 80 years if i'm lucky it's not just uh it's just not adam's greatest hits or or my best life you know as whatever i can get get the most out of it it's there's a there's a bigger and a deeper purpose for that and i'm so thankful for it because if the end if the if the end all be all was just making this better for me that's pretty disappointing because at some point I'm going to be on the decline and I need to know that I've run for something beyond myself does that make sense and so this time of rebooting resetting it's it's good to look at your finances and say man I, we, we made some progress here we 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 slid back a little bit here my health is a little more concerning here but I've I've, I've lost a few pounds here and and my kids are you know this is the status of my marriage. This is this this is the state of my kids. This is and and those things are like a they're constantly moving, right? Uh, this is we're living, breathing people. Our relationships are active. Our our bank accounts are very active, and uh, and so you just got to hope that the that the few deposits equal out or or are more than all of the withdrawals, right? And so you have this thing that's going up and down, and this is a time of year where it's really healthy to say. I'm not doing so good here, or I just want to do better here, or I'm doing great here. I'm going to put some more energy towards this thing. But we want to be careful that we're doing it for a greater cause. And so a picture for us is, is as much as I like going to a lake, I believe that God has designed us to be rivers. What do I mean by that? 
that our lives are supposed to spill out onto others and it's supposed to be a constant receiving and a constant giving. Does that make sense? And so, and even when you look down at a map or, or like if you do like Google Earth and you can see from drawings or, or live if you want to, you can see how even a river has all these little tributaries and things like that. They, they, they funnel off and then they feed other things and they feed other things and then you'll see another water source kind of come in and out. I believe that's what the Christian life should look like. I am the result of people pouring into me. God's ordained it and God is the source of that, but other many people had to be obedient and diligent in persistence with that. Call, thank you, mom and dad, right? And then people that have put up with me as their friends, people that have stayed married to me for 20 million years, you know, and, and it takes a discipline to be persistent into giving into somebody else's life. And God has called us to not put a dam at the end of it and, and just hold it all just so that my life's better. So you can make my life better. And you can make my life better. And how can this church serve me? How can my job serve me? How can, how can you serve me? No? I love that people have poured into my life and I love, I love receiving. I, I think it's one of the greatest things to learn as a, as a Christian is to really be able to receive from other people. But that's because it's the flip side of being a really good giver. The best, the best of givers know how to receive a gift. The best gift receivers know how to give gifts away. Does that make sense? I'm usually more excited about what I'm giving away to some people at Christmas than I am what I'm looking for. You know, what am I going to get? More socks? Great. You know? But there's, there comes these days. So I got, I got Benjamin an electric drum set for Christmas. Now that's for two reasons. One, because he's a good little drummer and he's on his way to probably being on this stage, hopefully for a closing song before the end of this year and who knows where. He's, he's getting it. But we bought a digital drum set because we want to be able to stay in the same house. And so now all we just hear downstairs is, we just hear that instead of crash, 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 whatever. And so it's a beautiful thing. But I was so excited to give him that. And so that money that it cost me, it felt better to give that money away than to make it, right? And so our lives should be these rivers going out to people. We talked in week one about making sure of what our goals and our motivations are. What's the motivation underneath? Is it just to be more generous? Well, that's really just that can really just end up being about me. Is it just to be more friendly? Well, maybe it's just because you want more friends. If we're not careful, we'll leave ourselves in the center even though we're doing better things, right? So we talked about Colossians 1.27 last week, and that has this great, little, uh, this great little phrase in it, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we came away with this statement that I just think is, is succinct and, and, and worth is worth repeating again today, and that is all hope for real glory in your life and my life will come as a result of Christ. The best things about my life are because of what Jesus has done inside of me. My marriage is healthy because we're, we're doing our best to do it God's way. Our finances are better than they have been because we're doing it God's way. Uh, my kids, are their, their heads only rotate on occasion because we're trying to raise them God's way. 
And our house is far from perfect. I, I, I always want you to know that. The people that spend time with us, you will know that. I, I get grouchy. I can stay grouchy. Our kids can get crazy. Danielle and I can get crazy. But our purpose, our motivation is Christ inside of us. And so we have learned that when we let Him and, and do things His way, then we're able to be that river and, and send that life-giving thing um, energy out to other people most new year's resolutions involve what take a guess what health exactly so usually it's uh somewhat somewhat common to put a, a number on it either a, a pant size or a dig number a certain number you're looking for on a scale or maybe it's a certain number you're looking for on your blood pressure or maybe it's a certain number of miles you can walk without wishing you were dead or you know just this there's sometimes a number associated with this where you're trying to make progress towards this and this is something, by the way, that I feel entirely hypocritical about because I could eat 20 hot wings right now and not even feel a little bit bad about it. And those are the most unhealthy things on the planet. You're almost better off deep frying a donut twice. Like, hot wings are terrible for you. And I just love them. Help me, Lord. And so I know that things in my life need to look healthier, but here again, we want to look at Christ being the center and what's our motivation? What, what's our purpose in this? All hope for real glory in your life and my life will come as a result of Christ in us. So here's one thing I've noticed. I just bought some folding chairs. We use them here for meetings and we you know, use them for meetings at the house. And they look like normal folding chairs except they have like a padding on the back and the, and the seat because somebody has sense when they made it. Except I noticed that they're really, really comfortable like for folding chairs. And then I saw on one of the tags it said 35% bigger. Excuse me. Yes. So I am more comfortable in this modern folding chair because somebody had the courtesy to envelop my sveltness with a 35% larger chair. So instead of me getting smaller, they've made the chair bigger. That's fantastic. Danielle and I like to shop at a store called Express when we have the money, and uh, they are nice enough to basically call every size the, the one smaller. And I won't tell you the, the size of jeans that I buy, but it, it's really two inches larger in the waist. But it feels so good to buy a 30-something <clears throat> instead of a 30-something, right? And for you ladies, it feels better to buy a fill-in-the-digit instead of the fill-in-the-digit. We don't go there. This is church. We want everybody to stay, you know, friends here. So what does our culture do for everything? The culture moves the target. We talked about this even on, on in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. The culture moves the target. God has defined what a family is, and our culture wants to tell us what a family is. It's far from what God says a family is. Do we get to move those things? I don't believe we do. I believe God has an incredible standard for us, by the way, that none of us can meet on, of our, on our own. And He loves us so much that He doesn't lower the standard. 
you've got a couple options when you raise your kids. You've got a bunch, actually, but they really come down to two. You can keep the standards high, and you can love them all the way through it, through all of the heartache, through all of the bruises, through all of the nastiness, and you can pray that by God's grace they come out on the other side a functioning adult that loves the Lord. Or, you can lower the standard and you can say, isn't he cute? Isn't she funny? No, she's nasty. No, he's selfish and a bully. And so what's cute at six months becomes annoying at four, becomes terrible at 12 and 13, and becomes an inmate at 20. Or at least somebody you don't want to carpool with, let alone work in the next cubicle too. Can somebody say amen to any of the common sense I'm saying today? So God loves us enough to keep the standard up high and to help us get there. Right? And that applies to every part of our life. And so the, the culture wants to move the target. The culture wants to make the chair 35% bigger. But if I'm being honest with myself, maybe I need to be 10% smaller to start with. Shh. Don't dig in amen, spouses. What's the purpose? Does this matter? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. I have thin pages. Bear with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. It's another one that we just kind of quote one part of. But it says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Well, that applies to a lot. Um, that there again, the culture would just say the standards are out the window. You get to have your truth when it comes to your body. It's your body. And this little verse here says, um, no. If you've come to the cross, if you've kneeled and placed Christ as the head of your life, you've received His grace, you've allowed Him to purchase you. You've allowed Him to own you. And those words are troubling to us because of things like slavery in our culture and, and, and how we do that. And we have this independent spirit as Americans and, and we have this high sense of individualism. But if we're not careful, we can Americanize our Bibles and miss out on some really deep stuff that says God owns you. And that if I'm living my life right, it means that I, I'm a slave in a sense to the Lord. It should be as simple as him wanting it done and me saying, yes, Lord. Right? And that's uncomfortable for us because we don't like that. We, even in our marriages, we want to be careful that, that no person is, is ever lording power over the other. And we want to maintain our individual space and our individual spirits. And even in, even in church, we want to say, well, this is how I do it. you know. And, and there's, there's definitely room for expression, but... But you'll find out as, as you grow in the Lord that it's really about yielding yourself out of obedience to the Lord for the sake of others. Wow. So I'm called to live my life on behalf of Christ 
for other people. That's intense stuff. But it also means that there's a great purpose there for my life. If the, end, if the purpose is just for me, for my pleasure, for my desires, for my pursuit of happiness, then good luck everybody that's hanging around me because I'm in this for me. I'm going to get mine. Right? That's what the culture says. Get yours. And God says, trust me for you. Get this, does God care about this? I believe He does. But I believe He cares about this in, in, a, in a really deep way. I believe so deeply that He has made us each unique. I do not believe that there is a, a, an image, a perfect image of a man or woman outside of the, uh, the concept of Christ as far as His character that we should pursue. I don't believe there's an ideal man. I don't believe there's an ideal woman is what like our culture tries to promote as, as far as physically or even mentally or, or emotionally or whatever else. I don't believe there is one. I believe I'm close, you know, but uh, no, just so sad. So sad. But seriously, the culture wants us to chase these models of what to look like and God says, I want you to chase a standard that's beneath the physical, right? But He cares so much about us that He would allow us to be unique. If you could hold each one of these stupid snowflakes that caused me to have to run over two curbs last night, if you look at each one of them, what are you going to notice? They're different. And I love being in nature because you look around and it's like you don't have the same sunset. You don't have the same sunrise. I've got three kids. They are so bizarrely different at times. It is a, it's crazy to think that they have the same DNA. Right? I look at the difference in churches. I've got great friends and, and that go to other churches, friends that pastor every churches, other churches. They love the Lord. But what do you feel when you walk into the different churches? Is it okay if we're different? Does that mean we're better? Oh yeah, family church, we're sweet. No, not better. There's things that I really care about doing really well, but it's never so that we're better than another church. It's because I believe God has called us to a unique expression of what His church should look like. I believe that there is a, there a group of people out there. Some of you have found it already. Thank you for coming. But I believe He has given us a unique way of, of being the body of Christ here that I believe will draw other people to a relationship with the Lord. Right? So is it okay that we look different from the church across the street, down the street, next door, from C3 who helped plan us? Absolutely. I believe God loves that. And if you ever have the privilege of actually worshiping in an entirely different culture, it's fantastic. There is one of my favorite things is to worship in another country. It is so much fun. And you might not know the words. I'll know like one out of ten if, if, it's, if it's Spanish. But my spirit is just alive in there and I'm just looking at the beauty of the difference of what God made. His creativity is reflected in our uniqueness. So if there isn't a standard, if there isn't a physical standard given us to us by the Bible, then what's he really looking for? I believe this is one category, just like every other category, where it's always about our hearts and it's always about stewardship. Did you hear that phrase? 
Let me read you again. It was... Um, It says, for you've been bought with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple, that it was He lives in you and was given to you? So we need to treat this, this, as a resource. It's a resource. You've been given breath as a resource. You've been given your flesh as a resource. It's what you need to live on planet Earth if you haven't noticed. You need a heart-beating, lung-breathing, walking, talking body to, to move around in this, in this world. And God has put us here for the purpose. So this flesh, uh, the Bible I think calls it a tent in one place. Like we're, We have this portable temporary thing that is given to us as a resource. And I believe that's where we can look at it physically is how do we honor God with it. And so some, some churches can take this and make a whole lot of rules on this. Well, the body's a temple. You shouldn't A, B, and C or whatever else. And, uh, and so you've, you've seen you know, maybe smokers blacklisted or, or, or people with tattoos blacklisted. Well, guess what? If you don't want those people in your church, enjoy the five people that come. So... That's not what we're going to do here. But what I believe the Word of God should always be living and breathing in us is that we hold our lives to the standard of the Word and say, God, how am I treating this resource so that I can get the most out of it for whose glory? God's glory. That changes things. And here again, we've got to find deeper reasons. It's great to think that I want to be alive longer for my wife and my kids. Admirable. That's a, that's a valiant reason, and my wife reminds me of it regularly. That is a good reason to get healthier. That shouldn't be enough. There's more. There, there's a purpose that God has me on this earth, and whether it's, at this point, I've gotten 43 years out of it so far, but whether He gives me 44 84, I want those to be the best that they can be for God's glory. That's, where, that's what our motivation needs to be. Because if we do it for ourselves, it's vanity. If we do it for other people, it's idolatry. All we're doing is replacing one idol with another idol. And the enemy is so happy to do this, by the way. Because he doesn't care if you're enslaved to a refrigerator or if you're enslaved to a scale. Does he? Some of you have been both. He wants you locked up and in bondage that you can't run the race that God has called you to. And so we're not supposed to be enslaved to either. And here's the thing, in, in, in the church, uh, this is one of those things that's like, we love food, like church and potluck, like we invented it. Like we want, if I could have 10 dishes with potatoes in it, uh, I'm really happy. Like, I love the potato. And I love meat. And so if I can have as much meat, potatoes, and then gravy on top, I'm really happy about that. And so we love this. And it's a one part of the church that is, it's like the okay sin. Gluttony, right? Like, we're allowed to like have excess like nowhere else except there. And it's like, really? I'm talking to, you know, I'm talking to Porky here. Don't worry. Um, that was funnier than that. <laughs> Pity laughs. You guys are mean today. 
It's about stewardship. What, what, am I, what am I doing with what God has given me? What am I doing with the family He's given me? What am I do, doing with the leaders in this church He's given me? What am I doing with the breath? What am I doing with the gifts? What am I doing with the, the money that He's put into my life? What am I doing with what He has given me? It's about stewardship. It's always about that. And it's about where is Christ in the center or not. Listen to this. Excess in being unhealthy or healthy physically, in my experience, almost always has unhealthy spiritual roots. What do I mean by that? The gym rat and the buffet junkie are both in trouble spiritually often. Why? Because their identity, their answers for problems, their... their their discipline is, is out of line with God's. There, there's something else driving them than just living for the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's just like the person who's too lazy to go to work and the workaholic. Uh, now, one's going to drive a nicer car, but they might be in the same place spiritually. Why? Because their heart, what, who they're working for, or in the case of the lazy slob, who they're not working for, it's not for the Lord. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual health here, not just what the scale says, not just what a blood pressure number, not just the doctor giving you a pat on the back. I can remember when my cholesterol was high, they just wanted to give me medicine for it. They don't even try to get you to lose weight anymore. Like, here, this, this would get your numbers where you need to be. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> Saddle up, eat my 20 wings, take my pill, and boom. Cholesterol, sweet. Did I miss something? Yeah. So the, the, the wives are nodding and the men are like, Adam, you know we're going to roosters next month on a Tuesday night. I'm like, yes, and I'm going to eat my wings. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, is Christ in the center? And this year, can we put Him more in the center? That's what we're talking about. Listen to this Scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 30-31. Is this okay to talk about something so practical? I, I don't want to beat you up here. This is about God speaking His Word into our lives and so that we come away healthier uh, from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 10, 30-31 says this, If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I'm eating my... Does that translate into wings for Jesus? I don't think so. I did go to Bible school. I do have some good theological training. I promise you. I just want to phrase things in a way that causes us to think and causes us to, to consider Christ and how we live. Now this, this thing came about from a... Um, a situation because the culture was highly involved with idolatry and so there was all this meat and food that was sacrificed to idols and because none of those idols are alive the food would still be there and so they would eat the food and so the question was this was a problem in the church or people were arguing about it well can I do I need to worry about what I'm eating as a believer now this question was regarding if, if this food was offer to a, an idol or not and basically what it's come down to is that you've got your peace with God through the cross of Jesus Christ 
your salvation is not affected by what you eat. We have a great freedom in Christ Jesus. A great freedom. But Paul is always careful to teach that with that great freedom comes great responsibility. Oh, Adam, you're talking about growing up, aren't you? Yep. That's what, that's what he's saying. He's like, you, you live for the glory of God. You're not in bondage to what's on your plate. Absolutely not. So don't be is really where I'm seeing this lead us today. Don't be. But then he says a very he says another interesting phrase in there. He says, "Don't give offense verse 32 to Jews or the Gentiles or to the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may be saved." Mic drop. I won't because they cost money. So I've got this great freedom, but yet I'm supposed to consider everybody else in how I live. Why? So that they may be saved. That's what's beautiful about the Scriptures is that yes, you're free in Christ. But He has paid such a great price that you could have great purpose. And your great purpose is that He could flow through you into the lives of other people so that others could be welcomed home to God, His family, and His plans for their life. I slipped in our vision statement. You like that? It's not about us. And every time we put ourselves in the center, whether it's to be healthier physically or to be unhealthier physically, we are damaging the value of the resource. Even if I'm in perfect health, if, if I'm not sharing the life and love of Jesus with other people, then I'm just a healthy person going to heaven by myself. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the energy of my life, and, and, and I'm not using it as an excuse to stay out of the gym, but I want to make sure that I'm putting things into perspective. Matt, Matthew Henry says this in his commentary. I'm wrapping up here. He says, Nothing must be done against the glory of God and the good of our neighbors connected with it. That's deep. Let me read that again. Nothing must be done against the glory of God and the good of our neighbors connected with it. Friends, we're good as far as God is concerned. If you've, if you've accepted the, uh, the grace of, of God through the, the cross of Christ, that peace has been made. Right? But then God is asking us, commanding us to live considering the good of our neighbor. That's big. That's big. That makes our world bigger. We, we, we said that uh, last week, that your world gets bigger when you get out of the middle. But it's important that we don't just put other people into the middle. Christ has to stay the center. And friends, my life is so rich because I live for others for the sake of the Gospel. There's a depth there that gets me up every morning. 
I'm ready to preach every Sunday. I'm excited to. I'm excited when I get to hear somebody's story, even if it's a hard thing in their life right now, and I can share Jesus with them. I'm, I'm excited because there's, there's something beyond me driving me. 1 Timothy 4.8, I want to close with this Scripture. Take me a second to find it. It's little. I saw you. First Timothy four eight through ten says this Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. It says physical training is good. Training for godliness is better. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank You for this Word. God, I thank You for factory settings. God, I thank You that I don't I don't have to find my own truth. Because any attempt at it would just be garbage. Your Word is all the truth that I need because it is truth. God, I thank You that there's a standard that You will help me get to. God, I thank You for not lowering it just so that my current state of filth is an A+. How disturbing is that? God, I thank You that You don't grade on a curve and that we've just got to be the best human. Better than our neighbor. God, Your Word says that an A-plus is Your Son, Jesus Christ. And anything less than that is failure. And what sounds so cruel to a world that doesn't know You, God, is really life-giving and full of love. Because Your Word says that You love us so much that You wanted Your Son to be the firstborn of many sons. Because God, You don't just come to save followers. You come to save sons and daughters. You don't give us grace just so that we can wallow around. You give us grace so that we can rise up and I can act like Jesus. I can love like Jesus. You love us that much. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never trusted Him with the direction and the leadership of your life, if you've never accepted the forgiveness of your sins, and you are ready to today, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. It's a life-changing moment. Anybody at all this morning? Maybe you're like me today and you're looking at this resource, this body you've been given. And you don't need anybody else telling you. You don't need your wife. You don't need your husband. You don't need the scale. You don't need the doctor. You know that you're not 
valuing the resource as well as you should be. And you want to do better with it, not for you, not for your kids, but for the Lord. My hand's up. Anybody else want to put their hand up this morning and ask for God's grace and help in this area? You want to put Him closer to the center of your physical and spiritual health this year. God sees those hands. A prayer would go like this. God, we love You. We want to use everything You've given us for Your glory. God, help us to live in freedom. Help us to not change one idol for another, one God for another God, one, one slave master to another slave master. God, help us to run to you where there is freedom, but help us to remember that we live for others, for your glory. Be with my brothers and sisters, God. Help us to put you in the center this year. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.